Life Audio. Welcome back to Sparkle Speak. I'm your host, Catherine, and this is a podcast sponsored by Sparkle, a women's ministry with the purpose of connecting women through inspiration and encouragement. This week, we have on our very special guest, Kim Mary Field. I know Kim from church. We both attended church in Detroit back in the day, uh, and um, I actually didn't know Kim's story firsthand, but through friends and just kind of hearing pieces of her story, I came to realize that she is an incredible human. (laughs) Just having gone through the things she's gone through and just doing it so gracefully and faithfully, I just was in awe listening to her, listening to her speak and hearing all that she's learned through some really tough things. She had to, um, you know, go through a cancer diagnosis and a pretty serious surgery as a result of that. And just hearing um, how she has managed that with two young kids and, and not always done it with a smile on her face, but certainly has done it with grace and a lot of faith, like I mentioned earlier. So please enjoy hearing from Kim. I know you're going to. What happens when a writer and former history teacher goes toe-to-toe with his best friend, a nationally touring stand-up comedian? Total carnage, that's what. Two men enter, and two men leave, because that's how it works. (laughs) Actually, you get hilarious, real, and insightful conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. Join me, comedian Johnny W., and my pal, author, and speaker John Driver for Talk About That at LifeAudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. All right. So, Kim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us today. I love that you were able to come on, and I'm just excited. As as moms and moms of two boys, I'm so happy we could make this happen. <laughs> yes, definitely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. And... I know we're going to get right into the nitty gritty because that's what we do on this podcast. Um, But I would love to know from you. And I I love that it's specific to every single person that comes on here. No story is the same. But for you, um, when did you first start identifying yourself as a Christian or how did you come to know God? Well, I, um, I, I grew up going to church to a degree. Um, I was baptized at eight, and then um, unfortunately, my parents got divorced, and I had a sibling die, and um, my parents really questioned the Lord and his goodness, and kind of um, turned away, I wouldn't say like completely turned away, but just really stopped leaning into their faith, and so unfortunately, as a result of that, Um, My siblings and I just by proxy never really went to church again. Um, And so I would spend the night at a friend's house and, you know, the deal was I could spend the night if I went to church with their family. 
Um, so I kind of, you know, had that foundation set, but it never really grew um, until I was about 18 or 19. And um, I was in college looking for some side income. And one of my friend's moms worked at a church nursery and um, she kind of knew my heart and she asked me to assist her with some childcare and um, thought it was great. And honestly, she just poured into me in such a real way and made faith accessible. And um, I kind of say that's like my turning point in my journey. That's where I made my faith my own, um, was working in that church nursery and then actually started attending church myself, um, making that decision on my own. That's awesome. That would kind of be the big one. Yeah, that's super cool that, like you said, people just poured into you and believed in you and kind of showed you the way naturally. Like, you know, that's, yeah. that's something to be said for that, for sure. Um, so what would you say, like, just kind of throughout your lifetime, like, what experiences have you had that have shaped or changed your view of God along the way? And I guess more specifically, has there been like a significant event or a season of life that was a defining moment in your faith journey? Well, I think, you know, from that experience being like 18, 19, it just naturally built. Um, I started going to church, attending Bible studies, um, hanging out with people that influenced me in a positive way. I met my husband. Um, he had the complete opposite experience where he grew up in church his entire life. Um, his parents helped run Christian nonprofits. Um, and so we just kind of like naturally started, you know, building from there. Um, we moved to Detroit right after we got married from Georgia and, um, felt like the Lord was calling us to just be a part of the community of believers. Um, that he was growing within the city. And I feel like we were kind of just on, I don't want to say it in a negative way, but just kind of on an autopilot, like mm -hmm. just the next step. Um, not like I said, not in a negative way, but just kind of just doing our everyday kind of things. And then um, in the summer of 2020, I think with everybody else in the world, <laughs> um, <laughs> That was probably the most significant um, season of my life that I think I can clearly look back and see where God was um, taking me off of that autopilot mode and really going deeper into um, what it means to be a follower of Christ. And um my kind of to backtrack a little bit, my husband and I had struggled with infertility for about six or seven years. And in um, 2018, we got pregnant with our son, Maxwell, who's now three and a half and um, had him in April of 2019. And uh, six weeks later, found out, um, uh, or not six weeks, I'd say it was 10 weeks. Um, that I was pregnant again. Oh my, and, I still can't believe that. <laughs> I know, I know, it's crazy. Um, and so I had, I had gotten pregnant in a postpartum period. And so um, 
My second son, Elijah, was born March 4th of 2020, a week before the world shut down. And it was that in and of itself was really crazy um, because, you know, I thought I would have trouble getting pregnant again. And nope, uh, when the Lord says something, at the right time it's going to happen he does it at the right time Mm -hmm. and at the time I didn't really understand what he was doing I was really excited yet really scared because I still was in my fourth trimester Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know of of pregnancy and I had found out that you know I was uh, pregnant again I was experiencing morning sickness and exhausted because my newborn wasn't sleeping through the night and yet I was pregnancy fatigue and mm-hmm. um just didn't really understand what what I was doing but also really excited because you know we were growing our family and so March 4th came and he came and I remember sitting at the hospital hearing about coronavirus and thinking that's never gonna happen here I'm still mm-hmm. around the other side of the world come home and then you know everybody knows what happened after that um but unfortunately for us like our family was out of state. So there was so much uncertainty and we had, you know, an 11 month old and a newborn at home with no real family or friends that could really help us. And so finally in the summer, um, we got the clearance thinking, okay, like we can, we can travel back down to Georgia to see family and friends, to see this, this three month old baby that they're finally going to get to meet. And um, on Father's Day of 2020, I just woke up not feeling great and um, thought, honestly, it was a kidney stone. And I am a nurse. And so I am probably the most non-compliant patient known to man because you triage your own self. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I thought, no, it's just a kidney stone. It wasn't really bad. And my husband I'll just never forget his words, but you know, he, he just told me, he's like, you need to go. He's like, I'd rather you get laughed out of the ER and sent home. Um, and it'd be nothing than for you not to go. And it's something because you're, you know, pain, you're not feeling good, go to the ER. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I went thoroughly expecting to be laughed at and I get back and, the doctor comes in and says, uh, you have pancreatitis. We have to admit you. And of course, you know, my jaw dropped. I was like, what? I'd always heard of stories of people having pancreatitis and just being in this excruciating pain and vomiting. And I didn't have any of that. I mean, it was uncomfortable and it wasn't like a walk in the park, but it wasn't, I was debating on even going to the hospital. So right. it wasn't that bad. And so I got admitted and um, the next day the doctors come in, they're like, we think we see something, but we need to do an MRI to do something a little bit clearer. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, when can I go home? Cause I have a three month old, <laughs> you know, yeah. at home and you know, like, I don't even know how old Max was at that time. And so then, um, later that day, the doctor comes in and sits down in the chair and my heart sank because I knew that was not a good thing. And he, he told me that I had a tumor on my pancreas and um, they weren't quite sure what it was, if it was cancer or not. And I was going to need to schedule a biopsy. And so, of course, I'm out of state visiting family and, you know, you have an out-of-body experience because I'm 34. 
Um, you know, this doesn't happen yeah. to 34 year old right. people. And um, so I had a biopsy and went through the summer, had a couple biopsies. They just, they, they knew it wasn't a benign tumor. They knew it was something cancer related. At least they thought it was, it had some dead tissue in it. They had sent, sent it off to hospitals around the country trying to figure out and um, finally decided on having um, a very massive surgery to remove the tumor on my pancreas. And in, in hindsight, it was the best decision because it, it was cancer. Um, and so here I am, you know, this whole summer of 2020, not really sure what God is doing and um, what, you know, you, you go down the rabbit hole of the worst, like, you met with doctors and you hear pancreatic cancer. And if you go on Google, it's just, it's horrible, the statistics. And doctors are telling me about what potentially the next year of my life could look like with chemo. And then I would lose my fertility and I would lose my hair. And we're trying to figure out how are we going to handle this? Because all of our family and help was down in Georgia, but we lived in Michigan. And so, and then we're in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> and everything is like shut down. And so there was just so much uncertainty um, in that summer. But that was just the beginning of, I think the Lord really showing me just different facets of his character and that he is our provider and he is our father and just caring for me in a way that um, I had just never experienced. In all my years of kind of following the Lord and reading these stories, it was um, definitely, definitely like just that defining moment. Um, a lot of grief. <laughs> um, I am currently um, considered med, no evidence of disease. So I'm almost two years out from that. And um, praise God for it you know, that they were able to remove the tumor. And um, I was fortunate in the sense that there are two kinds of cancers that typically happen in the pancreas. And one is what you typically think of as pancreatic cancer. And that's like 98% of cases. Um, so naturally when doctors are prepping you, they're prepping you for the 98%, not the 2%. Um, and I actually had a tumor called a neuroendocrine tumor. Um, and that's like the other 2%. And they're very slow growing. They don't respond to chemo. And surgery is considered um, like the treatment plan. That's, that's the best case at curing it. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I was very fortunate in that outcome. Um, it's still cancer. Still get to check that box. I still get to be followed up. And if, if something ever returns, there's, there's a plan and different things. Um, but through all of that, um, God really, I think, taught me, I think when we, like, just that our life is, is fleeting. Um, we are but a breath. And I think the, I think the big thing is we look at, we look at scripture and or you know, on social media and we put these things like, you know, hashtag blessed, new car, new house, all of these things. But a lot of times when you go through scripture, the, 
the people that God calls blessed are not in like the best situations. <laughs> yeah. You know, you look at, you look at Mary, um, here's this teenage girl unwed and she's knocked up by quote unquote, the Lord, <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. and you know, the Lord called her, you know, blessed and favored. Um, this was not like the mm-hmm. greatest, you know, social media post that you'd, that you'd want to blessing that out for everyone to see. Like, no, she is, yeah. she's not. And so it's like, but those, those hard situations. And I, and now I, I just, I understand those better because you're blessed in the sense that you get to see facets of the father's character that you just can't experience any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't appreciate it. And I think like, that's the point of this whole thing this whole what we're doing like it is to become sanctified and to become more like Christ so if that's the case then we're gonna have to go through the wilderness we're gonna have to be tested we're gonna have to go you know that 40 days and 40 nights without food and um you know we're going to be potentially physically beaten or maybe it's metaphorically beaten um you know, we're going to go through the garden of Gethsemane and cry tears of blood to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, it's just hard because we don't, it's human nature to not to want to experience that. But the blessing is when you walk through the fire, the Lord is with you. Yes. And that's like, that was a hard pill for me to swallow. Um, I say it a lot better now. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like have those conversations great in the moment. Um, I really probably was like just crying in the garden, just at the Lord's feet going, please let there be any other way. Like yeah. not this way. Like, I don't want to do it this way, Lord, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And so the Lord just taught me a lot about um, the process to get to um to get to a harvest um and I don't do you, do you want me to share that at all or yeah no please do okay is, I'm just sitting here nodding my head I know you can't see me <laughs> but I'm like yes this is so good um one of the, the things that I really we the verses was Psalms 126 5 through 6 and it's those who plant um in tears will harvest with shouts of joy they weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. And I think one of those things that we constantly hear about is like, Lord, I want the harvest. I want the blessing. I want, you know, the end result. And um, throughout that whole summer, God really encouraged me to kind of dig deeper on what that process looks like. And when I started writing it out and researching it, you know, there's, even if you think of the harvest of your garden as we're ending summer, you know, you have to prep the soil, you know, you have to get it ready. And that's a process in and of itself. Then you have to um, sow your seeds and depending on what you're planting, that can be a process because sometimes you have to, you know, get them ready inside with a little light and then go plant them. Then you have to water and pull the weeds and take care of it. And then there is the reaping, um, specifically if you look through scripture of the grain, that's that threshing. And historically, even if you go through um, 
you know, that reaping and threshing was typically like a two to three week time where it was backbreaking work um, all day, all night. But then there was the promise of the harvest and it marked the end of that labor intensive and long growing season. And then even once you have that, even on the back end, they still have to like prune the crops and the trees. Like there was still, you know, part on the end, but you, you had everything that you kind of needed for winter, you know, to get through those hard seasons. Mm-hmm. And so it like made sense, like you're planting in tears and you're shouting with joy when you have that harvest, but like there's a lot of effort. It takes months for these things to happen. Like it's a process. And I kind of use that for healing. You know, there was, there's a process. You can look at that with anything. You're going to go through, you know, I had to go through scans. I had to go through testing. I had to go through a surgery. I had to go through, you know, the healing, which took months and months and months because I had a massive surgery that completely rerouted um, my digestive system. And most people have only heard of the surgery through Gray's Anatomy and the Whipple surgery. Mm, (laughs) Um, But it's, it's right under, um, I guess the category of like a, an organ transplant and in terms of complexity and recovery. Yeah. Um, cause they, they take, um, your gallbladder, they take out part of your pancreas, they take out part of your small intestine and then the bottom of your stomach. And then they basically just reconnect your intestine straight to your stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to kind of learn how to digest food again and then you have medications that help you digest foods and fats and carbs and proteins and all this fun stuff so it's like there's this whole healing aspect this is this backbreaking effort and I felt like the Lord was just constantly telling me that like healing is a process and healing doesn't always look the way that we want like we, we pray to God it would have been great if I had prayed to God and said, you know, Lord, I show up for the scan, the tumor's magically gone. And God does sometimes heal like that. But more often than not, um, if you go back, this is a story of the little boy who's having seizures in Mark um, chapter nine, verse 27. Um, he has, you know, the Lord heals him. You, and um, actually, let me back up for a second. This might be one of those things you have to edit out. Oh, it's so, totally fine. Okay. Um, so like sometimes God chooses to heal immediately. And that is where you look um, of the woman who's been bleeding for years and she touches the, the hem of Jesus's robe and she's just automatically healed. Those are great stories. We mm-hmm. want those stories. But more often than not, you have the story of a little boy who's having seizures and the dad goes to Jesus and he has another seizure before the Lord heals him. Mm. Both of them had the same end result, but how you got there was, you know, two completely things, two completely different routes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're healed in different ways. They're healed in different timetables, but it's still, it's like, it's still the Lord that does the healing. And so that was kind of the thing, like healing doesn't always look the way that we want it. Like the Lord, I believe healed me but I lost a lot in in the process and it has collateral damage. Um, 
but that doesn't mean that like God is bad or God is not able to do something like that is just the way that was the best way for, for me to be healed. And it's, it's cool because like, if you, um, if you go to, uh, I have it in Isaiah 28 verses 27 and 28, these are like the cool aspects of the Lord. Dill is not thrashed with a thrushing sledge, nor is a cartwheel rolled over cumin, but dill is beaten out with a stick and cumin with a rod. Does one crush grain for bread? No, he does not thrush it forever. When he drives his cartwheel over it with his horse, he does not crush it. Depending on what God is trying to plant in us to come to harvest, like it's going to come about in different ways. Mm -hmm. It's going to determine you know, what he's using, how he's using it, at what pressure he's, you know, doing something. And that's like, the I just, that boggles my mind that like God is so big that he can do all of those things and figure out what like each of us needs in order to bring about that harvest. Mm-hmm. Just amazing aspects of Lord, like this whole process of like planting in us a harvest that we will, we will reap. Um, but it often comes like it's this labor intensive time filled, Mm -hmm. you know, event or deal type thing. And just kind of that, like God, God is doing something. He is growing something inside of me. And there will come a moment where I will fully see the harvest of what the Lord was doing in 2020. Um, I'd like to say that I've seen a lot of good from it, but I know that like, I'm still here. So he's not done. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's so interesting that you have this view of what you went through because literally yesterday, God reminded me of this verse that I have loved and cherished for so long. It's Galatians 6, 9, and it says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so mm-hmm. this whole time you've been talking, I was like, yep, <laughs> that was the verse <laughs> I was thinking about yesterday. This is it. Like, it's so true. It's like every day when we wake up, especially when we're going something through something very challenging, it can be so easy to want to give up or to want to give up hope or give up, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing the best and believing in God and trusting him. But if we don't give up, we continue to lean into him and lean into our faith and lean into trust. And in the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Yeah. And it's like, and like I said, it's always, if you look at it, even historically, like before you get that harvest, it's always the hardest. Mm -hmm. It's always the hardest you know, you've got this back breaking all day labor intensive work before you get to that harvest point. And I definitely think over, you know, not just in my own life, but in general, over the last two years, I think we've definitely seen, you know, evidence of those time periods where it's just really hard and you want to give up. Um, But you don't plant a garden expecting things not to grow you know you hope that you have uh, your corn your tomatoes your cucumbers you know whatever you're growing like you 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 have this expectation and a desire 
for it to happen. Otherwise you wouldn't have gotten to the point that you've gotten to. And I think that's, that's the big thing. Like, I mean, that is the definition of hope is, you know, trusting and expecting for something to happen and you believe it. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, I think that's like the big thing. It's like, we are hopeful and we are sitting in a season of expectation for the harvest, which is the Lord, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the, the big, the big takeaway that I always try to tell people is if you want to see the Lord moving your life, you have to be open to the way that is best for you. And, you know, the metaphorical farmer knows how to thrash and reap in just the right way to where we're not crushed beyond Mm -hmm. burden as Isaiah talks about, like he knows exactly how to take each spice and grain that he is trying to get out of us, each fruit of the spirit that he is trying to grow in us. He knows just the right way and surrendering to that process and just allowing him to do it the way that he knows best um, will allow us to, you know, have those shouts of joy and we will sing as we return with the harvest um it's not easy I'm gonna say that that is easy but I I really feel like that was that is just that critical thing where God is just saying like lean into the hard lean into the threshing and reaping because in those those aspects like you get to see God the provider you know if you know, you didn't walk through the fire, you wouldn't see that there was somebody in the fire with you. Mm-hmm. I knew, you know, some of what you went through, but not the timeline and, and just all of it. And so I'm just amazed by you and that <laughs> I know you had a lot of hard days as I'm sure anyone would, but the fact that you've been able to have that perspective, you know, ultimately, I think it's really beautiful and something that, you know, God will definitely use. Um, And so I'm encouraged and thank you for sharing it with our listeners. And I'm sure there are many people who are walking through similar things or know people walking through similar things. And so I just am confident your story will, you know, be of benefit to, to people hearing it. I hope so. (laughs) You want to help that you didn't go for, you know, go through it for nothing. Um, No, you did not That's for sure. But you know, it's, it's not always easy, but I think, you know, again, we're not promised easy. Um, and, you know, God, um, what the enemy, you know, means for evil, God definitely uses for good. And I think it's, it's just like, don't give up before you get to the harvest, be real and raw with the Lord of where you're feeling. Like there were many days where I would tell the Lord, I do not like you right now. Like, Mm -hmm. I have no clue what you are doing. I feel completely abandoned by you. But I knew also at the same time in those mundane moments, like I could put myself in a cave with David and I would just have to repeat scripture because that was him talking to himself going like, God has not abandoned you, even though you're stuck in a cave and somebody's trying to kill you for your life. Like God has not abandoned you. And so that's like, it's in those moments where you're real and raw with the Lord that I think he's like, okay, now we can really get to work. Yeah. No, absolutely. And like you said, to kind of bring this back to where we started, it's like, 
God worked best in the lives of those whose lives were messy and complicated Mm -hmm. and not picture perfect. And Mm -hmm. that's where he did the real work. And so that's Mm -hmm. where it happens. And you're right. It's like when we get there in our hearts, that's when it's magical. So, Mm -hmm. oh, well, thank you so much, Kim. I really, really, like I said, appreciate you just you know, being vulnerable to share everything you went through. And I'm so encouraged by you. So thank you so much again. And thank um, you so much. For if having anybody, me. I don't know, you don't have to share this if you don't want to, but if anyone wanted to reach out to you, just if they were going through something similar, is there um, a way they could contact you? Um, sure. Yeah. I'm, um, I am on Facebook and I'm also on Instagram. And I can put, I can put it on the, um, I can put your Instagram handle on the, uh, the show notes thing. So if anyone did relate to you and wanted to reach out, they could find you. Yeah. Instagram is the best. It's not a private Instagram. So perfect. Okay. Well, again, thanks so much and enjoy the rest of your night and I'm sure we'll be chatting soon. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. for tuning into this week's episode of Sparkle Speak. I want to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other face-centered podcasts in their network. You can find shows about prayer, Bible study, tools, and parenting. And if you'd like more information on Sparkle, you can visit us at sparklefaith.com. And please share your story of faith with us. We have a form available on the details tab of this episode. I hope your week is filled with the sparkle we all need. And go in peace. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in an everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.